0: You are listening to Feast Radio Bringing God's love and grace on air Listen to significant and heartfelt messages You can reflect on and pray about May this message help prepare you to face challenges Follow your dreams And open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I guarantee you that if this is the first time that you're joining us, God is gonna to speak to you in a very special way because our message for today, it's for single people and it's also for married people. So get ready for this message, all right? I want you to tag as many people as you can who you think will uh, will benefit from this message. But to intro, to give the introduction and to give you the meaty word, I want you to welcome right now, Brother Bo Sanchez. Hi, everybody. I am so happy that
1: we're together again at the feast. And before anything else, can I say this? Thank you for all those who greeted me on my birthday last week. Thank you for all those who sent prayers and sent blessings and sent gifts and sent food. I gained 18 pounds last week. Just kidding. But really, more than anything else, you filled me up with your love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Really, I feel so good. Okay, we need to go back into, to, we need to go into our scripture. We need to go back into our, to, to our message today. Welcome back to our excursion through, a long excursion through the Gospel of Matthew, but a beautiful one. My message for you today is this. Are you ready? Wherever, are you listening? Wherever you are, Serve there. Now you might be telling me, Brother Bo, Brother Bo, that sounds kind of familiar. Absolutely. I tweaked a very popular quote spoken by many, many gurus. Wherever you are, be there. And you know what? I love that quote. I do. That original quote, wherever you are, be, you know why? Because we need to embrace our present moment. I'm telling you, most of our pain comes from being trapped in two prisons. The prison of our past and the prison of our future, the prison of our regrets, and the prison of our fears. You know what we do? Most of the time, we meditate. We meditate on our past failures, our past hurts, our past wounds, or we meditate on our worries of the future, fears of the future. You know, oh no, what's going to happen to my kids? Oh no, what's going to happen to my job? Oh no, what's going to happen to my health? You know, past, future. Can you understand? Can we you and I, can we make a decision to be in our present moment because there is peace. You know, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I knew this a long time ago, like, like decades ago. I would preach about this. But you know, when I had COVID, did I, I think I shared this with you already. When I had COVID, I, I had a renewed, deeper appreciation for the present moment because, because I shared this with you. When I was sick, I could not do anything. You know, people were telling, oh, you could read now. You're sick. You're lying down. No, I, I had no strength to read. Oh, Brother Bo, you can now, you can now binge watch. You know, you, you, you know, now you have all the time in the world. I could not even watch. I had no strength to watch, would you believe? I could only two things, pray, breathe. Even breathing was labored. But because breathing was labored and I could, I had to inhale and exhale, a, I could not think of the past. I could not think of the future. It was now, 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 and, and, and there was peace. Would you believe there was peace? And so every day now, I, I try my best to wake up in the morning and, and meditate. And it's beautiful. It really is just fit. Okay, okay, I, need, I need to go on. Because today is not about wherever you are, be there. I, I'm, 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 I can preach that right now. You know, you're washing dishes, wash. You're cleaning, clean. You know, you're, you're, you're working, work. You you you're, you're with your kids. Will you please be with your kids? Okay. But today, it's one step further, one step deeper. The message is wherever you are, don't just be there. Serve there. You've got to serve there. You see, God created you to serve. That's your purpose. Amen. Can you say that? Can you write that down on the chat? You know, God created me to serve. No wonder, no wonder that our joy will remain shallow if we do not live selfless lives, if it's all about me and about my hurts and about my needs and about my wants. You will never taste deep True fulfillment because your purpose, God's purpose for your life is to serve. Now, here's the big question. Brother Bo, how, how, how will I serve? Where will I serve? What should I do to serve? Aha. Uh-huh. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. And this is the core of the, of the talk. Are you ready? Serve in your present state. I'll say that again. Serve in your present state wherever you are. Meaning, meaning. Are you married? Serve there in your marriage as a married person in your family. Are you married? But it's a difficult relationship. You love each other. You love each other to bits, but every day is a struggle. Serve there anyway. You're separated? Serve there even in the pain. You're separated, but it's complicated now because you have a new partner and you've got kids of your own, one with your ex and two with his present partner. You can't yet get married in church with the new partner because the annulment cannot be done because your ex does not want to cooperate. What should you do? You know the answer. Serve there in the craziness of life. Are you a widow? Serve there. Are you a widower? Serve there. Are you single, waiting for the right? Partner! Yay! Serve there. Serve, serve, serve. Are you, because that's the purpose of life. Are you a single person and you've been waiting for the right person and you're tired of waiting and you're afraid that you're going to be lonely? What should you do? Serve there, even in the loneliness. Newsflash. Married people get lonely too. In fact, the loneliest people that I have met in my life, would you believe, are married people who chose the wrong partner. Wherever you are right now in life, you know, life is messy. Can, 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 Can you type that down? Life is messy. Let's let's acknowledge that. Let's admit that, that life does not go as planned. Here's my message for you. In the midst of that messiness, can you fulfill your purpose and serve? And serve God and serve others. God will send the people in your life that you need to serve. And I pray that you're, you're praying now, Lord God, who, who do you want me to serve? And how do you want me to serve in my present state, in my present situation? You know, this is real talk. This talk is raw. <laughs> yeah, have you noticed? <laughs> it's like, boom, Brother Bo, you know, you're punching me or you're, you're hitting me. My God, yes, I am. Are you ready to dive into the Word? Are you ready? All right, whew, here it is. Matthew chapter 19, let's read. Are you ready? Amen. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with their question. They like trapping Jesus, you know, and and their, their question is, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? You see, at the time in ancient Israel, there was a very, very hot debate, controversy, Um, you know, Pharisee fighting against Pharisee, debating and arguing, you know, what, what? Is God allow divorce? No, yes, you know. And so they wanted to snag Jesus into this hot controversy. And I want you to listen to how Jesus answered him. It's brilliant. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus said? They record that from the beginning, God made it male and female. And he said, that explains why a man leaves his father, and mother, and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. Listen carefully. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart, but God has joined together. You know, when when you listen and read Scripture and, and you see Jesus answering, I don't want you only to listen to his thoughts. I want you to listen to his thought process. I want you to find out how does Jesus think? Because you know, when, when someone presents him a messy, muddy issue, you know what Jesus does? He will always go back to the very beginning. He will quote Genesis because in Genesis, you find the original purpose of God. What is the original purpose of God for you and for me, for man and woman? Man and woman woman are two parts of his image. Yes, man and woman are you, you, when they're united, they represent God, the Imago Dei. What's the point? The point is that marriage was supposed to reflect God's unity, and so that when people look at a marriage that is, you know, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the differences, they still love each other, they are a symbol, a representation of the unity of God, love of God. That people are reminded, oh, look at that marriage. Oh my gosh, the way they forgive each other. Oh my gosh, the way they're patient with each other. And then they will, be, they, they will say to themselves, God is real. My gosh, God is real. They, those two people, I, they, they, they would not be able to love and forgive if, if, if God is not real. This is the love of God. That, that, that love that they have between each other, this is God's love. You know, th- that's it that we become a canvas, that we become a painting, that we become an artwork reflecting the love of God. Um, And it is because of this. By the way, God is community also. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So marriage is supposed to be another community of love. And that's why divorce is not an option in the original, that's what Jesus was saying, in the original conception of marriage, ma- divorce was not an option. And, and we should not be able to, we, we should not flippantly talk about it in marriage. My gosh. I learned this lesson a long time ago. Let me, let me just close my part. You know, there's a second part that's even more exciting. But, but at least in this part, I want to close with, with my story. I, I've shared this uh, sometime before, but I, I'd love to share it again, that the biggest fight we ever had with Maru um, it was many years ago, she bought something for the house. Uh, it's, that, that's how, how the biggest fight, you know, begins in the smallest way. And, and can I give you a little backgrounder? I was raised up by a mother who lived during World War II. She was the ultimate Kuripot and she trained me to think in that way. So my wife, Maru, she was not overspending, but according to the standards of my mother, which were World War II standards, (laughs) she, she was. And so when we fight, I remember my wife would blurt out the truth and I was not ready to handle the truth then, but she said this, Bo, you're so generous to God. You're so generous to others but you are not generous to yourself or to your wife. Ouch! But I I wasn't listening and I didn't like what she she was telling me. Later on, yep, 100% true. But here it was. So we were arguing about, you know, what she bought for the house. And it was a tiny, tiny thing, but we were arguing. The, The crazy thing was that we were dressing up for a prayer meeting. And then in the car going to the prayer meeting, we were still arguing. And then after that, we... Um, we were arguing and arguing and arguing to the point that, you know, when we arrive in the parking lot of that prayer meeting, my wife said, her eyes puffy from crying, I can't go down. I I don't want to go down. I'm sorry. You know, you go and you give your talk. I I was preaching. (laughs) Oh, embarrassing. I called up Pio, um, our, our, our leader, our leaders, and, and I told him, Pio, uh, I, I can't, my, my, Maru and I are fighting. We, I can't go down the car. You know? Can you give the talk? And Pio said, "Sure, sure." We're praying for you. And so there, I. We drove home in total silence. My wife sobbing beside me. When we arrived in the house, we continued arguing, and I was so exasperated, so exasperated. I just said, "So what do you want? What do you want? Do you want to?" I didn't. I didn't say the word, but she knew what I meant. Do you want to end this, this relationship, this thing going on, this marriage? And she answered, what do you want? And you know, when we said those words, it's like someone, like like I felt a, a pail of cold water was just thrown to me and to her. I heard God's voice whisper to my heart, God telling me, stop that. Don't you ever, ever mention that word again. You are disrespecting your wife. You are disrespecting me. And I'm part of this covenant. I ask God's forgiveness. I reach out for her hand. I said, I'm sorry. She said, I'm sorry. We hugged each other. We prayed. That was the last big fight we've ever had, 22 years ago. Mind you. Don't misunderstand. We do have disagreements and we have daily disagreements, but we never escalate them anymore. We've learned. We're not going to say that word again. It's not an option. We're going to fight for our marriage. We're going to fight for this love. We're not going to fight each other. We're going to fight for the love that is God's love in between our marriage. God bless you. Continue this talk with an open heart. The best is yet to come.
0: Thank you so much, Brother Bo. Somebody quickly type in, thank you, Brother Bo. I hope and pray that for those of you still with us, that this message is blessing you and that God is using this to speak over your situation. Anyway, let's continue with our study of Matthew chapter 19. Here we go. After the Pharisees heard that that Jesus said, marriage should never be broken, the Pharisees found another door to give another attack. But this time, this time they went historical on Jesus. Free marriage advice to all our newly married viewers. If that's you, this is going to speak to you. One of the things that I've learned after being married for almost eight years is that should you ever decide to go hysterical over something, here's my advice. Don't ever go historical. What do I mean by that? Don't go poking into old wounds because you know if you've truly forgiven that person for whatever they did, you let past what happened in the past. All right, you let it go, release it. Just like what the message said before, uh, last Sunday, spit it out. Okay, that's, that's the problem with the Pharisees. They went historical on Jesus. They asked Jesus this in verse seven. He, they said, if marriage cannot be broken, and then verse seven, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and then send her away? You know what they, they, they were doing? they were quoting something that Moses taught in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse one, where Moses said, suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of divorce and then hands it to her and then sends her away from his house. If you listen to this message, this passage of Moses with modern ears, you know, it sounds like something's wrong with it, right? Because it says that if a woman does not please the man, The man can easily divorce the woman. For instance, she's too talkative. Divorce her. She snores in her sleep. Divorce her. She talks so loud that the entire barangay can hear her. Ah, Divorce her. She spoke to another guy in the street, somebody she doesn't know. Divorce that woman. She's no longer sexy and you found someone else that you are attracted to. Divorce her. See, this is the danger of reading a passage in the Bible in a literal sense without knowing the context. You might do something off the radar and then credit it as a command from the Lord. You never do that. That's why I think it's important for us to study this right now together. And I believe that there is a lot of wisdom with what we're going to learn from this very relevant topic right now. And I say relevant because we live at a time where divorce is treated like a commodity by certain people. I mean, there are countries worldwide where divorce is easily accessible and available. So it's now become an easy solution whenever marriages don't work. There there are conflicts in relationships that will always be there. It will always be there. It's been there since the time of Adam and Eve. Conflicts in relationships. In fact, let me prove it to you. In another version of the Bible, it says this, that in the beginning, God created the earth and rested. And then God created man and rested. Then God created woman. And since then, neither God nor man has rested. (laughs) That's Adam's version of Genesis anyway. It's the pirated version. That's just a joke. You know, during the time of Jesus, divorce was a very controversial topic. To the Jews, in fact, marriage was a highly regarded sacred duty. For instance, check this out. If a man was not married after the age of 20, unless, you know, he's spending all of his time studying the religious law. They believe that that man was guilty of breaking God's promise or God, rather God's command to be fruitful and multiply. It was as if by not having children, a man could kill his own future descendants. And that's a lot of pressure for any man, right? Can I get an amen for all the men? All the unmarried men, especially. But during this time, There were two schools of thought that taught the Jews about um, divorce. The school of uh, Rabbi Shammai and the school of Rabbi Hillel. Now, let me explain. Shammai taught that a man could only divorce, divorce was permissible, only if there was an adulterous act committed. Okay, that's it. But Rabbi Hillel in his school taught that based on this Deuteronomy passage that God allowed a man to divorce for any reason whatsoever. So guess who had a bigger fans club? Rabbi Hillel, obviously. Because to them, both of them, actually, the, both, the, the two schools of thought, according to them, according to the Mosaic law, divorce was possible. They even had different sayings about having a bad wife. Like, for example, they said that, uh, that if a man had a bad wife here on earth, he will never go to hell. Why? Because he already paid for his sins on earth. That's, that's horrible, right? I remember the story of one couple. Sabi ng misis sa mister niya, Han, anong gift mo sa akin sa ating uh, silver wedding anniversary? Sabi nung asawa, dadaling kita sa Europe. Wow, ang sweet mo naman, love. Eh, sa golden wedding anniversary natin, ano naman ang gift mo sa akin? Sabi ng asawa, susunduin na kita sa, sa Europe. <laughs> Iniwan pala sa Europe the whole time. Anyway, alright. I want you to listen how Jesus explains this issue to the Pharisees, okay? He says this in verse 8. I want you to go to verse 8. Jesus replies, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. Let me say that again. It was not what God had originally intended. Let me repeat the lesson that Brother Mo taught us already. Whenever you are in a confused state or in a messy situation, here's what I want you to do. Go back to purpose. Go back to purpose. Somebody type that in, go back to purpose. Because when you go back to purpose, the purpose will, also, will always point you back to the right place. That's what Jesus did. The Pharisees were so obsessed with laws But Jesus was focused on purpose. He was focused on what God's purpose was for marriage all along. See, some Pharisees saw Deuteronomy as God's command to allow divorce. But Jesus said this, that Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. So what does this mean? This means that divorce is not a command, it's only a concession. It's a pastoral solution to a messy situation because divorce is the result of hardened heart. This is where Jesus now perfectly highlights the difference between the concept of what is commanded and what is permitted. Now, I want you to take note. God never commands divorce, but He does permit it. He permits it only as a concession to a hardened human heart. It was as if Jesus was saying, To paraphrase, Jesus says, okay, this is the ideal that you don't get divorced, but in case the ideal is not obtainable because of human sinfulness and because of the hardness of the human heart, God allows this much. God will permit you this much. This is the allowance that you get. I want you to listen to what D.A. Carson said, a a famous New Testament professor. He said this, divorce is never to be thought of as a God-ordained or morally neutral option, but as an evidence of sin. It's an evidence of hardness of heart. All right? I hope that this is preaching to you. But to give you a better idea, I think it's best that I give you a modern and very relevant example, okay? Through a story, of course. And this is a story that Brother Bo told One day at the feast, a man approached Brother Bo and then asked him this question, Brother Bo, you know, my marriage broke down a long time ago, but for seven years right now, I've been living with another woman and together we have two kids. And you know, we both love God. We, we, we both serve at the feast together and I'm still working on my church annulment. So we really can't get married in church yet. But brother Bo, here's a question. Can we both receive Holy Communion? You wanna know what the answer is? Okay, listen to me. For a long time, the doctrinal answer to that question was always going to be a big N-O, no. But recently, Some of you need to know this, that Pope Francis has been, he has been reaching out to wounded individuals just like this man. In fact, in his pastoral letter called Amoris Laetitia, Pope Francis opened the possibility that couples who are in irregular marriages may actually be living in grace and may actually be called to go back to the sacraments. In fact, in his own words, he says this, At times, we have also proposed a far too abstract an almost artificial theological idea of marriage, far removed from the concrete situations and practical possibilities of real families. And then he continues saying this, it can no longer simply be said that those who are in irregular situations are living in a state of moral sin and should ever be deprived of sanctifying grace. So instead of giving a, a blanket answer, Pope Francis sees each case of of married couples who are living in irregular marriages as unique, you know, like a case-to-case basis, so to speak. So what does he do? He leaves the discernment to the local bishops and the priests to take action on whatever they decide. In in other words, he entrusts them to the shepherd who know who their sheep really are. And I think that's, that's beautiful because this is a reflection of how God sees you and me. God doesn't see us in groups or categories of people. No. Married, He doesn't see us as married, divorced, broken, you know, fixed, upright, sinful. He doesn't categorize, categorize us according to that. No. Instead, God sees us as individuals who are unique and relevant and beautiful in every way. God sees you and me. He sees us for who we are. And yes, he might see that divorce, but God will never define you based on that divorce. He will always see you as his beloved child who has a divine purpose. Can I get an amen from somebody? That's beautiful. Anyway, let's end the message. Jesus ends his message on divorce by saying this in verse nine. He says, and I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. So you see, this teaching from Jesus actually tells us that marriage as a promise made to God, to our spouse, and to the whole world is a binding promise. It cannot be broken. It can't be broken at our own expense, at our own satisfaction, at our own discretion. Unfaithfulness which can be uh, defined also as sexual immorality, is the only variable that permits divorce, but even that is very limited. And I'll qualify that for a moment, okay? In a moment, I'll talk to you about that, but let's read what happens next first. I love what Jesus says in uh, verse 10, as his disciples actually tell something Jesus did. It's funny. Jesus' disciples said to him, "'If this is the case, Jesus, it's better not to marry.' And then Jesus says, "'Yes, not everyone can accept this, this, this statement.' Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs. Some have been made eunuchs by others. And some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this, whoever can. You know, this was a light bulb moment for the disciples. And it's so funny. They're like, well, Jesus, if it's going to be that hard, then it's better for us not to marry. (laughs) Single people, if you're listening, marriage is a serious decision that should never, ever be taken lightly and quickly. The disciples knew that not everyone is called to marriage and you know what? That's fine because singleness or singlehood is also a beautiful calling. All right, that's a beautiful place for the single people to say amen to. Say amen if you believe that, single people. All right, let me close now with what St. Paul said in First Corinthians. I believe that this will also speak right now to people who might be in a in an irregular relationship or an adulterous relationship or those who might have moved on to the second marriage. All right, Jesus says this, uh, rather St. Paul says this. He says, each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. Now, how do you apply this? I want you to listen to this. I want you to lean in on the screen and listen to me. If you happen to be divorced and married to a second wife or a second husband, or after you have wrongfully divorced your first spouse, here's God's message. God calls you to repent of whatever sin you have and then move on. So what does that mean? This this doesn't mean that you have to go back to your first wife or your first husband and then try to undo the past. No. Walk in the place where the Lord has called you. Wherever you are, serve there. Are you married? Serve there. Even if if it's your second wife, repent, but serve there right now. Are you single? Serve there. Because God calls us to different states of life. Some are called to marriage. Some are called to celibacy. But both are beautiful callings. We might live in a world that's so obsessed with K-drama with romance and relationships. But in God's kingdom, single life is a valid calling. You know, we're either called to once or zero relationship. What does that mean? If you're called to marriage, then it means that you're called to just one person. If you're called to celibacy, you're called to zero. But in reality, in essence, both are impossible tasks. They're both hard tasks, difficult tasks. Being married is hard. Being single is also hard. You need what? You need the grace of the Lord that comes from the cross. Calvary happens so that He can give you the grace to do the impossible. So as we worship God in a few moments, my dear friend, I want you to open your heart to this grace that comes from the gift of the Calvary. I want you to give your heart to Him. Whatever state your heart is in, give your heart to the Lord. Worship Him whatever state that you are in and then watch how the presence of God will give you the peace and the healing that you deserve. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.